And we're back. I'm Rusty, joined by my friend who joined us for an emergency pod at the beginning of the season. What's up, guys? Writer formerly known as Professor Jennings. Um, I've given that. I've given up that moniker. <laughs> the writer formerly known. It's just a symbol now. Um, so the last shipment of quack we got, not great. Not great. Um, Oregon, it was like that quack that you just shoot up and immediately die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Chief Keefe would say that this is the stuff that he doesn't like. Um, so Oregon lost to, uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, dropped the game to Colorado, 41-38. It was, I've said for like a couple years now that Colorado's like on the verge of beating somebody really good. Um, maybe we're not that really good team yet, uh, but. Um, it happened. And, uh, you know, to us. be fair, I, to be fair, I, I knew that, that CU was, uh, was better this year than they had been in the past. Uh, I got to witness firsthand their opening game of the season, uh, which was a 44-7 to just drubbing of Colorado State University. Um, So I knew knew that they had some talent. I I just didn't think that it was going to be what it turned out to be. It's just so sad. Yeah. So, because last week, or the week prior to that, Colorado played Michigan in the big house, and they were up at the half. They did well. And it was competitive into the third quarter until their starter went out, and then the backup came in and went like one for seven. Um, That same back, after a week of preparation... um, Oh my god! I don't even want to look at this. He he drank Michael Jordan's secret stuff all week from Space Jam, and yeah, yeah it, it 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 just wasn't good. Yeah. Um, we and we can get into specifics as to why later, but um, man, he looked real good. I, yeah. I think they should just roll with him and, and just stash Sefo Lufau on the bench from now on because. Uh, He's, he's an all-world performer. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, your next LSU quarterback. <laughs> uh, LSU, well, it seems like the SEC only takes transfers from Purdue. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> um, so Stephen Montez, oh my God, I hate reading this, went 23 of 32 through the air for 333 yards and three touchdowns. He also threw two interceptions. He did. Um, he was also the leading rusher with 21 carries for 135 yards and a touchdown. Oh, it was uh, it was a you rough know, and, time. And I guess that's it. I thought I might have uh, I was thinking of bringing it up later, um, but that's a kind of a good segue to bring it up now. The one of the main weaknesses that I've seen in our defense thus far this year. Um, Principally, the last two weeks has been uh, we have a really hard time with quarterback runs. Uh, first uh, against Nebraska with Trevor Armstrong, I think is his name, right? Um, whatever. Uh, he, he was really good at, uh, at quarterback draws, and uh, same thing last year or last week. You know, we just. It seemed like every time the quarterback kept the ball, whether it was on a quarterback draw or a uh, uh, run pass option or what have you, it seemed like it would be a minimum of five yards and normally more like eight to 12. Um, we can get into specifics on why that might be the case later. Um, we were playing a bunch of nickel last game, but man, that quarterback, the quarterback runs, we got to figure it out. Yeah, so the biggest reason why, I mean, this is kind of like a constant throughout the defense because we talked about it a little bit on the uh, quack fix for Monday. Um, and is that the same quack fix that uh, someone suggested that PJ Fleck replace Mark Alfridge? Well, you got to start rowing the boat at some point. Row. 
Throw a bone. Ralph, Ralph, throw a bone. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Uh, yeah, no, don't ever do that. Please don't ever do that. Yeah, if you want people, if you want 17-year-olds to uh, think that Oregon is very uncool, then have him come. Um, moving on. Yeah. Is moving from... Moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3 really isn't that drastic because so many teams now run like a 4-3 under, which means that you still have five guys on the front um, and two guys behind that just replicating like the, what's called like the 85, uh, what's called like a bear defense. Um, The biggest issue is going from two gapping on the defensive line to one gapping. So when you're two gapping in a three four, the linemen are responsible for line up directly over top of a lineman and they're responsible for the gaps on both sides. Whereas a four three single gap, everybody's responsible for one gap. So the nose tackle or the two the two defensive tackles have their own gap, the defensive ends have their own gap, the linebackers have their own gaps. Um, and with especially we saw this against well Virginia, this was terrible was just the linebacker doing like what you see the coaches call fits, like line fits. Um, it was significantly better against Nebraska. Um, and then we saw like another version of that where people just got kind of out of their rushing lanes or like didn't have like gap integrity by just trying to fly up the edges on like some of the quarterbacks, uh, some of the long quarterback runs. So when... Oregon ran man-to-man. That means nobody's accounting for the quarterback. And when every defensive lineman and linebacker just like flies up the side trying to get over the top, the quarterback has the wide run underneath, and that's where he got some of the, like, the 20 to 30-yard chunks. Yeah, um, that was... So I watched the Colorado game again yesterday. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Yeah, so, you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, so I watched it on Saturday night live and then uh, again Monday night just to kind of see what happened. Um, It's just something that I do. I I mean, I did the same thing with Nebraska. And the main things that I saw in our defense um, is I actually think that we did a decent job, better in Nebraska, but a decent job last week of uh, putting some good pressure on the quarterback. Um, Principally... And especially when we had some really good linebacker blitzes. I, I remember that Daquan McDowell had a, a really good one where they sent both him and Hotchkiss. Um, we actually ended up getting burned on that one later in the game uh, where it was a, the exact same play. And uh, the first time their running back took Hotchkiss and McDowell was free to, to sack the quarterback. The second time they just basically both took the same gap and were out of position and then it was free for you know 25 yard run um, so we're doing a pretty good job of getting pressure on the quarterback but it's just inconsistent um, and, and like to to your point fitting gaps has been was very inconsistent last week uh, we did a good job of turning runs back inside but then we didn't necessarily have the safeties or the linebackers there to finish off the tackle once we turned him inside. Yeah. But I will say much maligned uh, on Addicted to Quack and in general across uh, a lot of Duck fans that I know, Reggie Daniels had a hell of a second half. Oh, my uh, God. This what week. a half. He, he was flying all over the place. And for as much as I just said we had trouble fitting gaps, that guy was just finding his nose to the ball seemingly every play in the third quarter. Um, and into the fourth quarter as well. So, I mean, just great job, man. Like, just keep doing what you're doing because yeah. if he, he's athletic, you know, it, it, his, the problem with Reggie Daniels and uh, I, I think our safeties in general has been coming up and deciding when to tackle and stay in the coverage and um, just making a decision. Uh, and he was just making a decision and flying to the ball. He did. He did great. Yeah, I was. So I guess that's that. a positive. Yeah. Um, Schooler is still like he had. He had one of the huge interceptions. Um, 
super impressive. So at safety, playing basically cover one all by himself. Um, yeah, we played a lot of man-to-man nickel with one high safety, and more often than not, it was Schooler at one high safety, um, which you know I, we got we had some trouble um, covering the the. The middle slants on those one high safety plays. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what we're trying to do there in terms of scheme. Um, not in a negative way, but it's it's hard for me to make a judgment on that because I don't know what we're trying to take away and what we're trying to give the offense. But we played a lot of one high safety um, last yeah. week. Yeah, and we played a lot of nickel, especially at the start of the game. We had Malik Levette in. I think that's how you say his name. It's Levette, Love it. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but he actually he looked pretty good. Um, but there was a lot of nickel. Yeah, one of the things well, I guess one of the plays that Colorado ran really well was the like uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's basically a uh, like a run pass option on every play. So the quarterback was reading one of the linebackers so that if the linebacker came up to play the run, um, Chip did this a lot too. Or not a lot, but he does it some. Um, Marcus Mariota had a few huge highlights last year with Tennessee doing this, um, where you read the linebacker on a, on a running play. If the linebacker flies up to fill the gap, then you have a receiver going behind him running a slant. And a slant is just going to be – it's a slant and a, and, a, and a vertical route that are the toughest to guard man-to-man. So – because if the linebacker's in zone, he's going to stay back, hand it off to the running back, he gets yards. If he flies up, it's man, and he got a slant right behind where the linebacker was. And so they ran that with a ton of effectiveness. Like it was – it's one of those that's really, really hard to – just defend in general because it happens very fast yeah and then you know if you start biting on the slant in a man-to-man then you're setting yourself up especially in a one high safety for a sluggo route and and then you're burnt um so there's only so much you could do as a as a cornerback i thought arian springs played relatively well um uh, I thought, you know, actually both of our corners, uh, Arian and Ugo, played okay. Um, obviously, Ugo gave up that game-winning touchdown, which was an amazing, amazing catch by Bryce Baywell. I You know, I don't know if there's much else he could do there. He's, it's good coverage. Um, you know, it's it's tough. There were, there were times, uh, especially in the second quarter, where we Uh-oh. We're going in and out a little bit. Where? Oh, man. Oh, man. Go ahead and go back a little bit. You start. You went in and out. Okay. Like, starting where? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, so you, we were talking about... Um, how it's tough for the, the receivers to play that route, and then you said uh, you were talking about Arian Springs. Yeah, so I, I thought Arian Springs played well um, for what he was asked to do. Uh, I thought both of our cornerbacks played well, actually. Um, you know, obviously Ugo gave up the game-winning touchdown, which was an amazing catch, and I don't really know if there's much more you can do on that play. Um, what I was surprised at, especially in the second quarter and um, you know early in the game on long third downs, when we were playing that man-to-man one high safety, um, th- there were a couple times where we had one of our linebackers, I think uh, Jonah Moy got burnt on one, Hotchkiss might have gotten burnt on one, um, where we had one of our linebackers out covering the slot and... I kind of wondered why we didn't check out of man to man and just go zone on that when it was, you know, third and seven, third and eight. Uh, but I don't know. I kind of, who am I to second guess on that? Cause 
I'm not an expert. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few times where it was just... Uh, there were a few calls. I really don't like to criticize play calling because there's so much that goes into it. And obviously, I don't spend my life coaching. But some of those... like Oh, before I forget. Yeah, so going back to a point that we talked about like five minutes ago with like the linebacker pressure... Like the the double A gap blitzes have the ones where we get like the huge sacks where we got like them falling Rex Manu and they just fly up the center. It's the quickest line to the quarterback. That's where we get like a lot of the best pressure from. Um, but some going back to like some of the play calling, just when it's like third and a long seven and we rush it, and it's like I know there were like at least two times. And it's just, it just didn't make any sense of why that would be the case. And that was just that was just what was confusing to me, especially on co- on some of the later drives where it's like we had to keep we had to convert. Like, you're talking about more on offense. Yeah, it's like third and seven. Yeah, just a long running play. Well, we were. I mean, we were. I I, I don't have the stats up for last game. Um, but on the season, we've averaged 6.3 yards per attempt, per rushing attempt. So you're saying they're um, 0.7 yards short. So, <laughs> no, that's, no, that's pretty good. I Let's see. Um, I'm just looking at the CU game right now. Rushing. So we had 45 attempts and rushed for 215 yards last game. The game before that against Nebraska, 47 attempts, 336 yards. So I I don't really know what the idea behind that is, and I guess it depends on drive to drive. Um, it makes a lot more sense if you plan on going for it on fourth and you could just be happy if you get you know, three or four yards. Um, I know when... I remember watching the Nebraska game and the commenters saying something like we planned a series ahead and I don't really know what they're talking about because there's some aspect that you have to be able to change play calls on the fly Uh, but you know maybe that has something to do with it and it may just be uh, Matt Lubick kind of getting his feet as an offensive coordinator. He's only been an OC for what? Four weeks. Alamo Alamo Bowl and this, this season. Um, so that may just be him kind of getting his feet wet, and it might be him getting used to the personnel that we have this year. Um, but yeah, it's I, I I'm kind of like you. I don't I don't like to second guess uh, individual play calls when it becomes an overarching um, uh, pattern. Then you can kind of get more into well I would prefer this versus that but individual play calls I, I'm not a coach so I don't know what people are trying to get at or what tendencies they've seen in, in the opposition yeah and one of the things I did like so we there was a 45 run plays compared to 33 pass plays um, there was a real commitment to running the football and Tony Brooks James has looked fantastic. Of course. And I think more than anything else, like especially after the Nebraska game, um, there was, I think, a lot of fair commitment that the team didn't have an identity on offense. I think on defense, it's we're going to get after the quarterback. We're going to send guys because we blitz a lot. Yeah, I'm we're, fine with. we're sending a lot of blitz. And he- – that's kind of what I think our um, our fans need to get in the mode of is we're so used to as fans the you know Nick Aliotti bend but but don't break type defense where we give up you know three yards of play five yards of play what have you um, this is not that defense this defense is we're gonna sack you we're gonna take the ball away. And we're also going to give up a 25-yard run. Every once in a while. Yeah, it's it's just the nature of being more aggressive. And there are pros and cons to that. Personally, I like being a little bit more aggressive on defense. I like forcing the action. Um, But but as fans, you can't be 
you can't call for being more aggressive one year <laughs> last year uh, and then be upset when we play more aggressive and you know give up some big plays because that's just kind of what you what you're asking for yeah I mean that's what comes with the territory and with our guys on defense let's say not having the most stars coming out of high school um, and given their youth like we and with the and with the amount of uh, time they have to spend on defense you kind of got to pick your shots yeah, that's yeah. fair. This isn't like Alabama where they got like five, where they just have five stars all over the two deep, and they're like juniors and seniors. And that's a, that's another thing I think that we need to to remember, and it, it's kind of a tangent uh, from what you're talking about. No, but let's do it. Let's do it. We are incredibly young, um, pretty much everywhere. Offensive line, we're incredibly young. Defensively, we're young, all over the place. Uh, you know, corners. We tend to be a little bit more senior. I think Arian Springs is a junior, and Ugo's a redshirt sophomore, or just a true sophomore, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Troy Dye is a freshman. Um, even Hotchkiss and McDowell, who are older, they're JUCO transfers, so it's their first year in the program. Uh, it we're we're a young team, and. It's kind of you kind of have to expect some growing pains, yeah. Um, but if you stay with the program and if people develop the way that we think that they can, we can look forward to a really solid defense. You know, hopefully next year, uh, hopefully a couple years down the road, and hopefully by the end of this year, there's still a lot of time to to grow a little bit more. Oh yeah. So like, I just think I know a lot of people. Are very upset with Helfrich. Um, oh yeah, so my last point was I was really glad to see that our offense really committed to the run, kind of getting back to uh, when we don't have one of the greatest college football players of all time at quarterback. Um, getting back to what made it so successful, which is just running the f out of the ball. Yeah. Um, uh, and so with Helfrich. I think there are some uh, justifiable gripes with how the season has gone and just um, claims that can be made um, with no data to really counter it. Like, uh, like one of them is that they can't develop a quarterback. As if Mariota didn't happen. Um, but we had Vernon Adams follow who came in on a like a one-year lease and then dakota prukop who's now in on like that same one-year lease and we're currently saying that the dakota move did not isn't to this point is not working out as well as vernon adams did um so when vernon was healthy when vernon was healthy we have the same record after four games that we did last year so and we have uh, not gotten railed by a team yet yeah, I mean, we're six points away from being 4-0, um, which is partially unbelievable. Um, but there's a lot of season left. I mean, Vernon Adams was going through uh, ATQ tweets today and laughing at how much people were overreacting this time last year, saying he was you know unsure of himself and uh, a lot of things that people are saying about Dakota Prukov right now. So... Um, there's a lot of season left, and hopefully the team gels and kind of finds an identity on both sides of the ball. And uh, I think we're starting to see that, uh, especially offensively. We're going with the run a little bit more, um, which I like. I mean, honestly, watching that CU game again, it was almost striking how much we were getting beat by our own game. Like, CU was us from a couple years ago. They were just running the ball. They were doing a lot of run-pass option where the quarterback kept the ball. Um, and it, it's not fun when the tables are turned. Uh, but hopefully we can gel a little bit and get back to winning some ball games. 
Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we that I noticed too was we use tempo at times very well, which is something that takes a little bit of time from one of the for a new quarterback to pick up. Um. So that was a positive to see, uh, like the commitment to the run game, tempo, like a lot of things really started turning out well. Um, but when we score 38 points in a game, that's kind of one on the defense. Like we're scoring 38 points and we're not winning. That's like more of a defensive show. So, I mean, looking at this time when Mariota was quarterback, let me see, through four games. The golden era. Throw for over a thousand yards, had a sixty-six point seven completion percentage, um, eight touchdowns, and only one interception. That's Just kidding. That's Dakota's stats so far this year. Um, so, I don't really think that, like Dakota, is uh, maybe not as good as Vernon, who wasn't as good as our Lord and Savior Marcus Mariota. Um, but he's doing really well so far this year, even though he's obviously got some shortcomings. So, yeah, that's, and it's only four games in the season. Um, I've had kind of a hard time getting a read on Dakota Puka. Yeah, um, there are, like, I I don't really know how I would classify him as a quarterback. I don't think he's a scrambling quarterback. I don't think he's like Vernon Adams, where he's just going to huck the ball deep, and he's a you know gunslinger, Brett Favre, pew pew pew, you know type type guy. Yeah. Uh, and but he's also not Marcus, where he's making his fourth read in the pocket, and oh shit, things broke down, and now I'm scrambling and making an amazing play. And like it's it's hard to get a read on Puka through these four games because he'll make a fantastic play. And then he'll make a play where he just holds onto the ball too long, and um, you know that could be caused by receivers. It could be caused by getting used to the offense. There, there are a whole number of things that that could be caused by. Um, I don't know, man. He, he, he's. It's just a roller coaster ride thus far, um, and, and I don't mean to to bag on him because he's made some really really good plays. Uh, that throw to Darren Carrington to go on top, where where Darren tiptoed the sideline of the end zone, that was a really good throw. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you have the throw, which is his only interception of the game, where of the year I, I think, so far, yeah, uh, of the game and of the year. Where it's a relatively safe play call, um, in theory. you know. In theory, it is a fade to the corner of the end zone. There's really only one mistake that you can't make. As long as you overthrow it, it's fine. The clock is dead. As long as you put it in a spot that only Carrington can get it, it's fine. You know, it was man to man. There's no safe over the top. You just can't underthrow the ball. And he underthrew the ball. So as soon as um, it came out of his hand in the stadium, you know it's hard to read into one play too much. Yeah, as soon as it came out of his hand Go in ahead. the stadium, I was like, "Oh no!" It yeah. was so, as soon as it left his hand, I was, "Oh no!" Yeah, and and you know, it, I think it's fair to second guess that play call. Um, in, in terms of being, we were like what on the eight with a minute left. Uh, and I think we had at least one timeout, maybe two. Um, so I think goal. it's okay to second guess that play call, but I understand the principle behind it. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have ran it because we were running it so well. It was first in goal from the six within like a minute twenty left. So you yeah, have to Benoit and let him run it like four times in a row. Or just three times and kick a field goal, and we'll go into overtime. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, based and I, on, I understand. I understand what they were trying to do, though. It's it's yeah. first down. You know, you can take a shot to your best receiver, who's made some spectacular catches on the day, and just drew a pass interference call on that same cornerback. Um, I I understand the like. 
all we just underthrew the ball and you can't underthrow the ball on that play call. Right. Um, so it sounds like from reports that things got pretty heated in the locker room afterwards. Um, I think the players that spoke up were Royce Freeman. I'm trying to remember the names that were posted online of some people. It was three of the older guys. It was Royce Freeman, Farrell Brown, and there was one guy on defense who I can't remember. Oh, man. What's his name? I'm not going to remember it right now. Um, they got up, give pretty passionate speeches. There was a players-only meeting. Hopefully, that's a come-to-Jesus moment. Um, I'm also looking at... Uh, there's an article written by Chantel Jennings of ESPN where it talks about how um, some of the older players have said that uh, basically there's a significant part of the team that thinks that showing up um, is going to work. And this happens a lot with teams that are super successful and you don't necessarily and the people who are younger don't necessarily see all the effort that was put in by the older players. Do you think that's an issue with this team? Um, I, I'm going to give a cop-out answer and say that I don't know because I, I'm not at practice. I'm not in the weight room. Um, you know, I could call up uh, our buddy Coach Favor and, and see what's up, but... <laughs> Uh, my guess is he's probably not going to spill the beans. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, it, it's hard to make judgments like that. Um, I think based on, and I'm kind of basing this on fringe stuff, but um, after the Nebraska loss, uh, Coach Helfrich in one of his interviews said that uh, the Monday after that loss was the most vocal practice um, that they had had all, all year. Um, you know that's a that's a positive sign, uh, rather than just kind of crumbling and um, reacting in a negative way. That's it's being proactive. Uh, you could see it in the second half uh, of last week's game against CU. We responded to that deficit, uh, I think, really well. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to to get yourself in that deficit, but. Um, they came back and they showed some fight. So I don't, I don't necessarily think. I I don't know, I, I don't know. Uh, I I think there are really good signs about what the fight that they put up um, in the games that we can see, but without being at practice and without being around the team uh, on a regular basis, I I don't feel comfortable making some sort of judgment call like that because mm -hmm. it's. I think it's kind of unfair to the players. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I think it's also – I think we should also point out too, like going back to the youth. So we were actually texting about this like a couple weeks ago um, when I was going through the depth chart. On offense, 16 of the 22 and the two deep will be coming back. So we're going to lose Dakota, two tight ends, and a lineman. That are going to be graduating off the two deep, um, and there's like a couple other players, but Dakota and, and probably Darren and probably. maybe maybe Devin Allen, even though he said that he really wants to continue playing football. Yeah, well, he's if if he's not going to play football next fall, it's just because uh, he's given up football because in order to get drafted, he has to play another season. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and on defense, it's even crazier. We return all 11 starters. Unreal. And only lose four off the two deep. So, I mean, you want to put Helfrich on the hot seat? That's justifiable. I wouldn't do it. Um, but next year would be the kind of like the prove-it season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of room to grow, and at some point, 
it doesn't really matter how many stars somebody has when they come to campus. You, when they get on campus, you got to develop them. Um, and everybody knows recruiting is, you know, it's going to be hit or miss. There's going to be five stars that bust. There's going to be three stars that go on to win a Heisman. Um, that happened. It, it happened. Two-star it, Scooby. It's, it's real. Uh, oh, man. I, God, I hate that so much. Oh, yeah. Um, here, let's let's get a, on a little bit more positive note because I, I feel like this is a real downer podcast okay, thus far. quick. I would like to get Here's a question. This. Here's a question. Okay. What did you feel like has been most improved over the course of the season thus far? And then also more specifically, what was a, the biggest improvement that you saw from the Nebraska game to the CU game? Nebraska game to the CU game. Okay, so biggest one of the season. It's still a struggle. But I think the defensive line has come a long ways. Like, Joe and Jokes, who's like a backup defensive end, is like just steamrolling people to get to the quarterback. Um, Rex Manu, as as you pointed out last week we, when we were just talking, was uh, is like really the X factor. Like, if he gets penetration, like he's blowing up the play. To me, Rex Manu is the most important player on the defense. Yeah. Every time he's gotten two yards back in the backfield, we do fantastic things. Um, when he gets stood up, it's a little bit more iffy. But when he plays well, man, it is hard to stop our defense. Yeah. And then the biggest improvement from the Colorado game to this game. The Nebraska game to this game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. From Nebraska to Colorado. Special teams? Just kidding. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. I mean, um, special teams was not good in the Nebraska mm-hmm. game. Uh, mine, okay, so yeah, you I'll give you, give you a little bit more time to, to think. Um, mine over the course of the entire season has been uh, our commitment to running north-south. Um, I yep. thought especially at the start of the year we were running a little bit east-west. Um, and uh, part of that could have been the offensive line finding its way. There was a lot of young players there. Um, but I think we've gotten much better about running north-south, uh, especially with Tony Brooks-James, who has just been a beast since Royce has been out for basically the last two games. Uh, I mean, I don't really think you can really say he played in the Nebraska game. He was in for like two or three series tops. Um what I was most impressed with, and I'm going to give Dakota Prokup some props here, between the Nebraska game and the CU game, uh, was he did a much better do- job of checking down to his running backs mm-hmm. uh, and the shorter routes when deeper routes were covered. Um, I think that one of his main weaknesses up to this point, and part of this may be him just getting used to the offense, is he has really been one read and throw the ball. Uh, You saw that in the final drive of the CU game where uh, before the actual interception, we had another near interception, which was on a slant play, which was just, you know, one read, throw the ball, and that was to his left, so I didn't even think he really looked. He just threw. Um, Yeah, he just threw it. He knew where he was going with it. Exactly, but he's gotten much better at letting the play develop um, on the majority of the plays and checking down his running backs. And that's it's the same thing that we talked about going into last season with Lockie is we have so many skill players that as long as you can be a distributor and be an efficient distributor, our offense is going to be at a minimum above average because our depth at the skill positions uh, is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, let's quickly. Okay, so here's here's kind of a a myth of um, recruiting that like we're just not bringing in the same level of talent. False. Yeah. So <clears throat> Oregon has always been <clears throat> a slow starter, but a big finisher in recruiting. Speaking of which, we just got a four-star cornerback today. Right. Who announced via a Forrest Gump parody. Right. So, currently, this is 
we are still months away from signing day. We have seven four stars committed. Uh, three Fire of which, rich. three of which are linemen, which is huge. That's exactly what we need. Like Oregon having good line play is what's line play is the difference between contending for a conference championship and contending for the national championship. It's all line play. You know, and, and that's one of the people can bag on health uh, for a good amount of reasons. Um, you know, personally, I'm still a fan of Coach Helfrich. I think he understands the program. I think he's incredibly smart. I think he's gets that there's a bigger picture other than football. Um, the one criticism that I cannot stand of Coach Helfrich compared to Chip Kelly is his ability to recruit. Oh my because, God, awful. I hate it. Because being around um, the Oregon Athletics Department while Chip was there, the effort that has gone into recruiting since Health became head coach and since uh, his glorious predecessor Chip Kelly was a head coach, um, we're we're pulling in better recruits. We're putting in more better recruits. Um, so I I don't understand how you could look at the results since Coach Helfrich has been head coach and say that we are subpar recruiting compared to where we were before. I mean, we took, if you want to say that we're, we're not developing guys as well, I think that's partially fair. Um, I mean, we had guys like Darren Thomas who were afterthoughts in recruiting. He, he, was, turned, he came in as an athlete. Yeah, exactly, and he turned into a, a quarterback that took us to the national championship. So I think I think that criticism is fair, um, but in terms of bringing in recruits, highly rated recruits, guys that fit with the overall athletics idea um, of what we want our athletes to be, uh, I think we're doing a very good job there, and. I'll ride or die for health on that one because we're bringing in guys that I think can be really, really good impact players years to come. Yeah, like one of my favorite stories is after Oregon just decimated Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game. Well, also, Arizona did a lot to just play terrible. That score of like the 50-something to like 13 was, I think, much more about Arizona just proceeding to vomit all over themselves for 60 minutes then Oregon really thrashing them nope it was all us <laughs> um, okay so uh, the day after health is in like Hawaii recruiting you think Chip's making that flight no no he's not he's drinking his Mountain Dew and he's shipping a letter with UPS to Hawaii yeah um so last year, for, for what these recruiter rankings are worth, um, uh, Oregon was number 22 behind the only schools that were better, had a lot of tradition, and were in uh, fertile recruiting grounds. So Alabama, Ohio, Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, Michigan, California, um, Georgia, Texas, and then the national brand, Notre Dame. And with recruiting, I mean... And Oklahoma and Tennessee. It just, just, we're never going to be number one in recruiting. No. You know, we, we are not going to get the guys, um, the, the vast major number of guys from Texas and Florida and... California and Georgia, uh, like an Alabama will. It's mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Ch- Charles Nelson aside, uh, and and Taj Griffin aside, you know who are from those those southern states. Um, we're just not going to get those numbers. Our strength in the time that we have been a national power has been getting enough of those guys and getting all of them to show up. Getting them to show up. And then once they're on campus, being innovative in how we use them 
and staying ahead of people on the field as opposed to recruiting. Um, you know, it's it's always going to be tough to recruit to Eugene, no matter how many shiny buildings and nice uniforms we have, because it's in Eugene. And it's a long way away from home for a lot of these 18-year-old kids. And that's a hard decision to make. Um, but what we need to do, and, and we've gotten better at recruiting. I mean, we, at a minimum, we're kind of at the same level ranking-wise where we've always been. Um, personally, I think we've, we've improved upon the chip era in terms of recruiting and bringing in highly rated guys. Um, but what we need to do now is once we get them on campus, we just need to be innovative in how we use them and we need to put them in the best position to succeed in a way that other schools don't because everybody's caught up to us at this point. People yeah. are, people are using the spread all over. People are putting their athletes in space CU just did it to us last week, um, where now we just need to find another edge. Yeah. And under with Chip Kelly's best years, he was in the mid-teens. Um, and Helfrich has been sitting at about 20 and 21 for his recruiting cycles. So, And the difference there is... A five-star it, it The difference there is bringing in a D'Anthony Thomas. You know, yes. it's, it's that the, the difference is a five star. Yeah. Which I mean, we had we just had Ken come in, what, last year, two years ago. And he's on the two deep this week. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he he gets a little bit more healthy than he has been and uh, and really pulls up his play. I know people have been already labeling him a bust, which. I mean, the guy's a sophomore, man. I, he's he's got a little bit to learn in terms of pad level and uh, probably adjusting to the scheme, the new four three one gap scheme. But you know, we just we just need to develop guys. Yeah, and I mean, if I mean, if you really want to get down to it, like next year is the year that it will show. So, um, oh my gosh, we haven't even talked about this yet. How about Troy Die? Yeah, he's he, he's we can't recruit and we can't develop, but he's leading the team in sacks and tackles and, and he has just an interception. made a, made a really good interception. Which uh, credit to him, that was a very good read, uh, oh, and yeah. that was a that and that was a good call to put him into position to make that read um, in, in a really critical time of the game. That's like. A veteran move like that's a move that um, like being able to read that slant and make a jump inside is what you would expect like defensive backs to do that's something that like Miles Jack did really well at UCLA I'm not comparing the two as if it's like apples to apples I'm just saying that's a trait that Miles Jack was really good at that died can do as a freshman so next week we will have Troy Die on the depth chart for running backs. Yes, that's, that's okay. That's how you should read that. Good. <laughs> um, let's let's look forward to Wazoo because yeah. we we've spent a lot of time dissecting overall uh, questions about our program and last week. Yeah, so and I mean, let's, that, let's look forward to Wazoo. Yeah, that's kind of my definitive answer. I'm really over arguing the comment sections are actually really civil on addicted to quack for the most part there are some outlandish ideas but everyone's being oh, respectful man. and everything compared um, to other schools it it's miles better you should read tomahawk nation when florida state is getting throttled it is one of the funniest things i have ever seen okay also i want to go over this i want to go over this now i'm turned up okay so i just want to really emphasize how difficult how difficult it is to win with really good players. So if we're looking at um, some teams that are, okay, let's say Georgia. Georgia is in the best recruiting state in the country. They have, they have looked awful in their, in their three wins. Um, Texas is probably in the second best recruiting state. They have been getting high recruits like high recruits out of high school and they've sucked the last few years. Uh, I, I can think of one. 
maybe a coach that we're going to go after, LSU. Oh, my God. I mean, LSU, they've they had get, a top three recruiting class every year for the last five years. They and get they, five stars on five stars on five stars. And for, for everyone that, that bags on, on health about not being able to, to develop quarterbacks, oh this is not the, the thing that we need to keep in mind. It's not just an us problem. You know, it's, it's not an Oregon problem that it's difficult to, to develop a quarterback because it's hard to play quarterback in college football, especially now that the Pac-12 has gotten much better than where it was five years ago. I mean, right. five years ago, uh, what, Mike Stoops was coaching Arizona. Right. Right? Dennis Erickson was on his last legs at Arizona State. Um, I mean, the Pac-12, uh, for all the Pac-12 homers, uh, five, six years ago, Pac-12 was pretty much trash. Uh, yeah, Pac-12 and, coaches. And, and there has been, the, yes, I would say that our program has probably, uh, at least based on results, fallen in quality from when we were at our, our apex, which is bound to happen when you lose right. the best player in program history. Right. Um, but there's also been a lot of schools like CU, like Utah, like UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, that have improved really dramatically um, from where they were just a couple years ago. I mean, even Stanford, I remember back in 2007, like barely paying attention to the Stanford game because it was a joke. I looked forward to that game. I was like, oh, this will be an easy win. Yeah. And now they, for the last, what, five years, six years, Mm -hmm. they've been consistently, it's been us and them for the Pac-12 North. Yeah. Uh, another great example is Notre Dame. They get tons of awesome recruits. They've won one game. Um, like I mean, there's just there are just so many examples of teams that have better recruiting rankings, um, considered better coaches, and they still don't win. Like that okay, made me think of a game. That made me think. If of you game. if you if your team is not coached by Urban Meyer. Or Nick Saban, or you don't have a national like a Heisman player on your team, you're not winning a national champion. That is true of the last twelve years. Those are the only people that have won national championships. Sorry, let, what's, your, what's your game? Sorry. Let's let's play a game. You, you I got turned up. I got I got you, amped. You mentioned Brian Kelly, and uh, I hate Brian Kelly so much as a coach. So let's play a quick game and think of. Just hypothetically, if Coach Helfrich disappeared tomorrow and we had to find a new coach, what could be the worst culture fit for our school with an existing head coach? Any program. Any program. Oh, man. Um, let, me, let me go here. Oh, oh. I think I know. Just let me double check. Just let me double check. I don't. There's no right answer. Oh, there's there's a right answer. There's a right answer. I personally like. Uh, I really like Bobby Petrino. Really? Because I was gonna say Brett Bulama. Oh, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Brett Bulama. Although I do love his uh, his thing, like taking a knee three times on the on the goal line against Texas was borderline erotic. I love that line. <laughs> Brett Bielma is a heavier Mike Leach, quote-wise. Yeah, who, like, refuses to pass the football. Um, I think that would be my... The only other one I could think of is, like, a Big Ten team. Um, Yeah, it'd be Brett Bielma. That's a good one. Just God. I would say say him, Petrino... Uh, Brian Kelly was the one that made me think of it because I, I don't really think that people from Eugene would stand for a coach screaming at his players like Brian Kelly does uh, or Jimbo Fisher. What about Paul Johnson in the triple option? Oh, just from a style of play perspective. Yeah. Oh, I, I do not want to watch football from the 1800s, so I'll pass on that. 
I also don't think our fans would love Russell athletic uniforms. Oh my gosh. That is just... <laughs> the one team sponsored by Russell Athletics. In it's one. just a travesty. All right. Um, let's go to uh, Washington State. Yeah. Like we were going to 15 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> we swear. This time we swear. This is a podcast of tangents, damn it. Oh, my God. You, this is pretty much the most on-topic podcast I think we've had in a long time. Um. So, Washington State uh, dropped the season opener to an FCS team, as is tradition, but this was Eastern Washington. Cannot fault them. Which which we found out. Cannot fault they're, them. They're good. Eastern Washington will mess you up. Um, uh, they lost to Boise State by three. Boise State uh, on the Smurf turf. Boise State just uh, took Oregon State behind the woodshed. Um, well, and, in the first half... In the first half? Oh, yeah. oh that's yeah. right. Oregon OSU State had the backdoor back. cover. Yeah, they OSU came back, and, and Boise State held on. I mean, it was one of those ones where they kind of, like, take out the starters and then think about putting them back in, but they don't really need to. Hey, man, that backdoor cover, that's all that matters. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> they beat Idaho 56-6 week three. Um, Future are... FCS team, Idaho. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, so And they just went against the intrepid by week, who was undefeated. Yes. So, really, they're one in three. Yes. Um, okay, so, so far... Um, I mean, Washington State's on a pushover. Um, they won in Eugene last year with uh, Lockie at quarterback and a oh my god, I think maybe the worst defensive performance that year, maybe even worse than Utah, was against Washington State because just with with how bad Washington State is like running the football they averaged 4.5 yards on the ground and 136 yards rushing that's not good that's awful like if, if that was like if, if, if I was if that was the stat from Colorado or like Nebraska I would say all right that's fine Washington State that same year, Oh my god, let me pull this up. This was infuriating. Um, that same year, only got uh, Washington State against Portland State, only averaged three and a half yards a carry. That just shows you how bad that was. That's how bad that season was um that that's how bad that game was um if we look at their score against rutgers rutgers washington state only rushed for 81 yards so i have a really hard time believing that we're gonna hit rock bottom once again against the cougars Although it is a night game in Pullman, and the weird stuff happens in Pullman. Oh my god! Right, and it was uh, against. Oh god, I remember when Mariota was at Pullman his last year. Well, a, it was like the worst camera angles I've ever seen. B, oh, it was so bad. That was a really tough game to watch. Like it was just slogging. You know what was great about that game, though. Keenan, Keenan Allen's celebration. celebration. <laughs> yeah, not Keenan Allen. Keenan Lowe's celebrations Keenan Lowe. as Devin Allen strolls into the end zone. Yeah, I miss. I miss Keenan Lowe. He's a great guy. Um, all right, you you pulled out some stats about Washington State. Uh, I did indeed. Let's find them. So, so far this year, overall. 
they've averaged 121 rushing yards per game, which is pretty good. I mean, that's that's better than it has been for Wazoo in the past. Yeah. They've averaged 393 yards per game through the air. Um, I mean, we everybody knows who Washington State is offensively, what their identity is. They are going to huck the ball around 50 times a game. Oh, my God. Sorry. Washington State's – Washington State rushing against Idaho. What, what was their season total for rushing? Uh, three – well – their total was 365. Their average was 121. So they got 92 against Eastern Washington. So that takes it down to... Like 260-ish total. Against Idaho, Washington State rushed for 228 yards. So basically they did nothing against, against Boise. How is that possible? How did Washington State run that much? Because it's an, against a future FCS team. Yeah. And Idaho is not a real team. Man, I thought it was like county law that you had to you had to be passing for, like, your passing stats had to be double your rushing stats. And yeah, I mean, it would... I thought that was just the law. Even with that being said, we know what Wazoo is offensively. Oh, yeah. It's Luke Falk to Gabe Marks, and, and you know, they probably have... Uh, one other good receiver um, uh, who who's been he's been doing decent. Um, I mean, their leading receivers right now: Gabe Marks, uh, who's averaging nine yards a catch. Tavares Martin Jr. is averaging eleven point two yards a catch. Um, so you know, big big play threat. Uh, but we know we know what the offense is. It's going to be 50, 60 passes throwing the ball all around the field. Um, de- defensively, to be honest, I haven't done any research on Washington State. I haven't watched any of their games, so I don't know what they are defensively. Um, but I'm not really concerned about that because as long as we get the ball to our skill position players, we have we should have Royce Freeman back. I mean, he was listed on the depth chart, even though it was with an or. Um Offensively, the coach said that he's been full speed this week at practice. Yeah, offensively, I think we're going to be fine. Uh, it's really going to be a test in our secondary, in fitting gaps, uh, and for our cornerbacks and our safeties, especially those young safeties, uh, to see how they do stand up against the vaunted air raid offense uh, and and the pirate flag and fireball. Oh yeah, fireball, fireball. All right, yeah, it's gonna be, it's really gonna be interesting because Washington State gets the ball out so fast. I don't think blitzing will help. I agree with that. It it, uh, it just won't. Like we can send a couple guys, like we can rush four and five, but that ball is gonna be out. They can check out of that so fast. If um, I had to guess, I would say that we're probably gonna do. We're gonna be playing more zone. We're going to be playing more two deep safeties as opposed to a schooner in the one deep. Yeah, and I would guess that we're probably going to going to fake blitzing on a gaps and b gaps, and then drop guys into coverage. Um, that that's what I really hope for is that we start to do more zone blitzing, uh, where we stand eight guys at the line of scrimmage, and three of them drop into coverage and it's just a matter of picking which three of those are going to drop we will fake blitz all night long exactly that's the line for remember the titans I'm sure yeah it's that's that's what happened that's what happened um awesome what are you most looking forward to in this game Royce Freeman I'm most lucky. I don't even know what I'm most looking forward to, honestly. Just a win. Please. Just please win. Just please win. Really, really would appreciate it. <laughs> like, at this point, I don't even care how. I don't even care how. Just get out with a win. Like, no I mean, style points from, no style points necessary from me. If they cook it, I'm alright. Totally fine with that. 
I'm totally fine with it. Like when they cooed it against uh, Stanford last year. Oh, they're just too many to count. Oh, man. Well, we can only hope. A boy can dream. You know, you never know. Maybe something happens. Maybe they flip the switch. Maybe that uh, players-only meeting really kind of helps. And uh, maybe we gel on the defensive end and, and we start fitting gaps. Who knows? Yeah. Hopefully we'll be 3-2 and in Washington. And the motto of the season thus far is just beat Washington. Just beat Washington. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks again for being our emergency guest filling in for Sean. Um, maybe, if we're fortunate enough, uh, Sean will have too many other things going on at a later season or a later week in the season. Um, and you can join us again. So uh, thanks for listening this far. If you made it this far, I know some of you really love this podcast a lot. Um, so thanks for leaving comments, uh, saying that you appreciate it. I know I appreciate it, your comments. Um, Sean enjoys seeing them too. So uh, next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Talk to you guys then.